Welcome. Today's episode is really exciting because I'm going to be learning along with you about an organization that's almost 60 years old. So they have been making changes for the last six decades. Okay. We have some things to learn for sure. We do. So um, today I'd like to introduce our guest CEO of Access Supports for Living, Ron Colavito. Hey, Ron. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. We're thrilled to have you here. So we have a lot to learn about everything that you've been doing in the Hudson Valley. Want to take a minute and tell us about your organization? Um, sure. So uh, you guys started Access was formed um, just about 60 years ago now and um, has had a lot of growth over the years. So really started from a small group of parents um, mm -hmm. looking for some better outcomes for their children, which I think many organizations have their roots in in, in that kind of start. Um and has grown today to like a, a multi multi-agency organization um, serving about 16 counties, 2,200 staff, um, a, a budget of around 140 million, and, and serving about uh, 17 or 18,000 people a year. Um, and our work, our work, our work is across um, work in developmental disabilities and autism, but also um, the behavioral health and um, early childhood services, housing services. So we, we touch most of the um, traditional um, social service type supports that, that people use in the communities. So Ron, that is, those are really big numbers, all of them, the staff, the number of clients served, your budget. Obviously, you've been around for a long time um, doing this good work, but how how do you keep everything straight? How did you grow so quickly um, and develop all of these sort of um, affiliations and networks that you provide services within? Yeah, so we, we've had a couple different waves of it over the years. Um, I think the um, one of the largest periods of growth, particularly in um, work with individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, came as a result of um, a lot of the deinstitutionalization process in, in, mm -hmm. in New York State um, that happened. So in the 80s and then into the early 90s, the continuation of those um, closures of, of the developmental facilities um, in New York created an expansion for us that was quite, quite significant in the residential areas. Okay. And then um, what kind of followed that was the evolution around really increasing um, options for independence. So that started to create different kinds of housing models, people living more independently, using community habilitation supports, um, less with walls, more in the community. So that mm -hmm. kind of then grew. And while our beds, our residential settings stayed the same as far as the number of them, they really were there to support those with the greatest needs, not just be the next step from a institution. So we've, um, I think we've actually so far, I think supported around 50 individuals who have um, moved from 24 seven supports into living independently um, in apartments. And also uh, many of which then work and have, and have jobs in the community, which I know is something we're talking about today. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I do want to hear more about community integration, but since you brought it up, tell us about your workforce and how many individuals with autism you've been able to find employment for. So I wish I knew that precise number for you. It's it's a lot. So, um, but we so part of the the one piece of the, our kind of organization I didn't spell out in my intro because I knew we'd be talking about it more is um, what we call access business solutions. So as part of our as part of our organization, that um, that division, for the lack of a better term. 
um, is focused on having, um, we have both um, service contracts, we have manufacturing work, um, all of which is outside of any special minimum wage rules or it doesn't have any state or government funding. They're just contracts we hold. We get paid to do the work and it provides jobs and um, quite honestly, it creates some surplus for the organization, which is great because it reinvests into other services. So um, that division of our work today employs about 300 people with disabilities of all varying backgrounds. Um, th so um, the uh, those um, individuals with autism are also included in there. And then we support um, about another 250 to 300 people in um, the a variety of um, supported employment types of, of programs, um, whether it's with the state vocational re rehab um, um, in, and in New York State, which has a similar name called Access VR um, mm -hmm. in, in New York State, but also um, there's a hodgepodge of funding together that, um, that makes that happen. And we've organized internally um, in the last couple of years differently around employment options for people um, with disabilities. And we have a value stream that works across that. So we have people that work in, there's probably 15 different discrete programs in, in our system of services that actually work on employment, period. We work on finding a job. So it's a it's a mix of work that's, you know, finding employers to work with mm -hmm. and also um, filling some of our own jobs and doing the job development skills with the individuals. But that happens. And then it's it doesn't matter what capabilities someone has, we work on it and then we find the right match. So um, when we talk about the, you know, the autism population um, specifically, um, I, I'd, I'd have to make up probably a number to know over time, but I would, you know, it's got to be in the hundreds of people that have been, you know, placed and or have worked for us over the years. That's making a real impact. So Ron, this is an area that's very interesting to Jen and I and to read. Um, you know, we believe that the the workforce development piece is really a crisis. I know that you know, but for the folks that we have listening, um, you know, the unemployment rate for people with autism is at about 85%, right? And um, fewer than half, I think, of 25-year-olds with autism have ever held a paying job. So we believe that this is a really important topic that needs a lot of attention. And I'm so pleased to hear all that you're doing um, around that effort. But I just want to make sure I'm understanding um, your business solutions, the contracts that you hold, are those businesses that you run like a social enterprise and people are, um, or I, are you I, pushing would, I guess so. Yeah. I don't, I okay. don't know that we've, you know, we, we've been doing this for so long that that term didn't exist. So uh -huh. we haven't typically used that term in our, uh -huh. in our world, but I, but I guess you could say so. So, um, but there's, it's a couple of different things. So um, we have a number of both federal and state contracts. Um, so if I were to talk about manufacturing, for example, um, the types of products we manufacture, we have, um, a hearing protection line where we manufacture um, earplugs and some of the kind of um, look similar to what you're wearing, but really are the hard shell kind <laughs> of hearing protection items um, that, that you see around. We do that in a partnership with 3M. So we have co-branded products with 3M that we've um, we've partnered with them now for, I don't know, it must be getting close to 15 years or so on those. We have a, a product um, that we developed ourselves. That we man that we manufacture, um, and then we have some um, other um, office supply products and stuff that we that we sell to the government and, and commercial buyers. So um, that's been operating um, some of those contracts for 
pushing 30 years. Some are, you know, a little bit less and have continued to evolve with some new product lines. So that's what we do in the manufacturing space, but it's all, you know, it's within our organization, but it's standalone. It's not, it's not dependent on any, um, any dollars sure, from sure government dollars. to fund. Um, okay. Some individuals may utilize um, job coaching fun, um, supports uh-huh. and stuff through those, uh-huh. through some services, but the actual work is, um, is kind of on its own. And then similarly, we, um, on our, the kind of service side of our business solutions division, um, we've done a lot of work in, um, we, we have facilities management contracts, food service contracts, um, custodial contracts, landscaping, um, a number of essentially a lot of the building service type of um, work, and um, and then we also have um, a newer piece of our work, which is um, direct mailing. So we do essentially the the mailing for organizations, often nonprofits or school systems, um, sometimes political efforts, all the all that fun mail, and sometimes people refer to it as junk mail that you get in your house. But we help um, do that, build out the custom lists, and. Um, that work has been growing and, and adding jobs um, for people that we support. That is, I mean, that's amazing. And I'm, I think that it's becoming so challenging, particularly in this sort of post COVID space to really procure, um, you know, good job placements. And I'm, I'm, you have some big contracts. It sounds like both um, federal state and um, you mentioned 3M do yep. you think that your success in negotiating those contracts was because you were an early sort of thought leader in that space, or is it? Do you have a particular recipe for success? Because yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think I do think some of it goes back to the fact we've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, Access's old name, its original name was Occupations Inc. So the organization has had mm-hmm. employment focus from day one. So Interesting. it was. It was the things that were happening um, very early in the organization. So they've stayed central, th- you know, throughout the the mission and what we do um, for the 60 years. So um, that I, I think is in some ways is kind of baked in. So some of this work has been developed and had been resourced for a long time on how do you develop the, the opportunities. So um and, and most of it was um, with government contracts. Um, mm-hmm. So they're real contracts, but they're government contracts. So we continue now to kind of evolve more and how does that work um, move into more commercial um, environments and looking to, you know, quite honestly, leverage some changes in society around inclusion. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and use that as an opportunity because we know we have a great workforce mm-hmm. that, as you said, is almost is almost hundred percent unemployed in many cases mm-hmm. and in many areas mm-hmm. and, and everyone need, but everyone has the shingle on their door saying we're hiring right now. Everyone, there's no one that doesn't, like, if they'd say they don't, they're probably lying. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, so that opportunity I think is really um, unique right now. One of our um, affiliate organizations that joined um, the access network um, just at the end of um, 2021 actually has more of the um, social enterprise model, um, mm-hmm. as you guys described it. And um, they run a business called Cleaning with Meaning. And it's a um, team okay. cleaning business. They, they um, do both home, um, home, home cleaning. So um, they also do small um, offices and such. So we do that work at Access at a larger scale. We do that on some like larger government installations and schools and, you know, larger um, office buildings and such, but they're doing that on a kind of 
a different scale and um, actually been talking about New Jersey as an area that, um, you know, particularly the New York City metro area, because most of that work is occurring today in um, the New York City metro area that um, Cleaning with Meaning operates. So, um, so there's, there's a number of different things. And the reason um, that organization and Access decided to partner um, was they did two things. They did um, self-directed work in, the, in our developmental disabilities um, field, which allows um, individuals in New York State to direct either the individual or the, or the family member to actually direct the services, hire their own staff, set pay rates, um, a lot of control over, over the dollars that, that are allotted to an individual. Um, so they run that service and then also run this cleaning with meaning service. So they kind of, they, they kind of piggyback on each other and really um, align with our goals around making sure people have the most, uh, most options for independence and least restrictive, mm-hmm. you know, settings um, that, that they conduct their life in. I think that, so I love cleaning with meaning. I like the, I like the name um, and I think it's really important that as a community, we get away from this idea of, you know, employing someone with a developmental disability is, you know, is an act of charity, right? That's not, that's not what we're looking for here. We talk about this at the farm. Um, You know, people love to buy produce from our farm, uh, which is called Greens Do Good because of our story, right? We're employing people with autism and, and they're very happy to do that. But if our produce didn't taste good, or if it wasn't fresh, or if it didn't arrive on time or we couldn't meet their inventory needs, they wouldn't keep coming back. So do you, would you share that? that, that yes. I mean, it's, and it's probably why I said we didn't use the social enterprise thing for so long because uh-huh. we were so focused on having quality product and not using that really in our, um, yeah. in our, in our marketing approach per se, you know what I mean? Um, but I think right. we are shifting now because there's opportunity there to, to show both, right. To mm-hmm. show both the, the good the good that you're doing by mm-hmm. by supporting these types of businesses but also that the products are strong I mean our manufacturing center is you know ISO certified it's mm-hmm. you know and, and our cleaning services have a, a, a accreditation called sims like we have real quality improvement processes in place and you know and, and are monitoring those things so the work that's being done is we believe top notch um, but there's also the added value that you are you know, helping in somebody where a job is being sponsored that may not be happening. Um, well, we know is not happening as widespread in, in communities in general. Sure. And I think that, I think younger, um, younger consumers are more astute about wanting to know the background of the companies they support, you know, and, Absolutely. and having that, having that as the backbone is, could be the difference between, um, you know, engaging with one organization over another. Absolutely. So you talked a lot about what drove change and growth in the past. I'm really curious to know what you see for the future. Um, so specifically thinking, you know, talking about autism, I, I think um, th- there still remains the lag in early identification. Um, and and I've been seeing a lot of that lately around um, there's such a, a wealth divide um, that mm-hmm. in, in the country in general, but particularly when we talk about supports for people with, with, um, and young children with autism. Um, you know, I know a lot of your work is focused in applied behavioral analysis or ABA and, um, in a lot of parts of the country and, and in our work, um, it's not paid for. It's not, it's not really something that is generally paid for, even though it's evidence-based and known to be, you know, one of the best effective models. So, um, I think that, that is an area that we continue to advocate and, and, and try to champion for because 
the more resources we have there that aren't just with organizations that are then reselling those resources to individuals that have the means to pay for them privately. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's happening. And, and that's great for those people, but for everyone else, um, it, th- it's missing in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we've actually used fundraising dollars to um, add some more of those resources to our team to make them just generally available, not having to worry about the funding source and who's paying for them. And, and those resources really work in the community to help families on skill building and early identification. And also, um, you know, do some of the planning for um, some of the, some of the individuals we support that have some of the most challenging needs, you know, that need some different types of um, clinical interventions. So that I think is really a big one because we actually have a practice that is known to work and has a lot of evidence behind it, but there's not dollars flowing in to support it broadly um, in communities. And, and especially we're seeing, you know, that divide in um, communities that um, have higher poverty levels, Mm -hmm. um, people of color. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the same things we're hearing. Um, And a lot of times, you know, poverty becomes um, the root cause of why um, any particular group is not getting the services they need. So, um, we're continuing to look for that. Um, as far as growth, you know, more specifically in, in how we see things changing in employment, I do think what we've been talking about, it's unlocking and really um, seeing if organizations are going to put their money where their, you know, public comments and facing, you know, um, you know how, how they portray themselves doesn't really match on how they act, how they act and how they, what, what are their actual actions. So um, we're very interested to see how we can work with, you know, all size businesses, but also larger businesses to start to commit to, you know, hosting jobs or, or doing trainings or, you know, being willing to transport and, and help with transportation sometimes in some, in some issues, because, you know, the one thing I know, and, and you guys know from working in an organization, training people and then losing them costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And if we can develop a workforce that um, can get to work and get to work successfully and have the skills, I think those are things that um, that even CFOs of Fortune 500 companies can understand the financial benefits of, let alone the um, the social benefits. Absolutely. Well, you're speaking Jen's language. She says to me probably <laughs> once a quarter, should we start a transportation company? I'm like, no, don't say that again. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, we have so well, it is many. one of the it's one of the it still remains one of the largest barriers to employment, yeah, I think, of all absolutely. groups, not just for people with disabilities, socioeconomic reasons and yeah. so on. It, it continues to remain a barrier. Yeah. We have 50 students that come through our farm each week. Teeing them up to a job is perfect, right? It's what we want to do, but how can they get to the job? We have to keep working hard Mm -hmm. to solve these problems. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah. So we have learned so much from you today, Ron. Thank you. If you're a game, we like to do something that has a little bit more like personal interest, a little human interest. So we go through a couple of the questions from the Proust questionnaire. You comfortable with that? All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what I come up with. Okay. Okay. So, (laughs) but we'll give you the easy ones. We'll give you the easy ones. Okay. So when and where are you happiest? So I have a boat. So when I'm out on the lake in the early fall, so like the kind of, so even September ish, right. So after my, many of the lake goers have disappeared for the season because the Mm -hmm. summer is over and the leaves start to change and it's cool and nice and maybe a fishing pole that could be, um, 
Okay, you just there. painted an amazing picture. I hear Vivaldi <laughs> in the background. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really. Do you do you enjoy fishing, Ron? That's something uh, that I do. Doing. I'd enjoy it more if I was good at it. But yeah, um, but but it but it's, it it is relaxing. It is so relaxing. I want to try my hand at fly fishing one day. I'm yes. not, I'm not sure if, if I'll I would do it be with good you. at that. Okay. I'll do it with you. Okay. Do it. Take a whack at Very it. Good. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, which talent would you most like to have? Um, I would love to be able to like play piano or guitar, like, well, like that would be a talent that I would love to have. So does that mean you can play them a little bit now, but you'd like to play them uh, better? No, I wouldn't even say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the qualifier of well, I needed to clarify. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this one's a little weird. Do you have a motto? A motto? Yes, mm, something that, that you say, live That I can by. say on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we can always bleep it. Yeah, um, give it I a mean, shot. Access, I mean, so at Access, we, we kind of... Um, we, we, I, I kind of had a pep talk during COVID with the staff early on and it was kind of, you know, everyone was adjusting and it was crazy and was talking to my leadership team. And, you know, I kind of just said that, you know, this is what, you know, this is what we're built for. We're built for this. So that was, that's what we've kind of run with that access internally. It's not something we typically use externally. We had a couple of t-shirts made that people have floating around, but it says, um, you know, it was kind of built for this. Oh, four letter word that starts with S that I won't say, for your podcast. <laughs> but it was, you know what, this is what the team is built for these kinds of challenges and supporting people, no matter kind of what's going on, we're, we're part of the, you know, the, the safety net of systems that exist for people when, when they don't have other, you know, options or choices. Ron, I think I can speak for Jen when I say that we're just so impressed with the work that you're doing. And um, obviously, there's no shortage of demand for the important services and and supports that you're providing. So I thank you for joining us today and telling us a little bit um, about Access Supports for Living and um, keep up the great work. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks.